Praise God. I was going to give you some exciting news. Um, uh, today I, I went and I went over to the Valley High School and uh, preached two two classes, two different times. It was it's the Cactus Jack Foundation has been going over there and blessing the kids, and they have a there's two different lunch breaks that the kids get. And they give them free pizza if they'll come in there to, for a Bible study. And they've been doing this, and, and it's been growing and growing, and they asked if I'd come over there and speak. And I told them, I said, honestly, I, I've not spoke to teenagers in a really long time, and I don't know if it's going to work, and, but I'm willing to give anything a try. And There was 110 kids, 110. And I didn't know how it was going to go. And, um, you know, I, I was really prepared. I got everything all prepared. And then walked out of the house and forgot my Bible and my iPad and got to Uvalde and realized I don't even have a Bible. I mean, my, wow, you're going to do a real good Bible teaching. You don't have your Bible. So I had my phone with me, thank God, that it had everything on it. And I was like, you're just, a, you know, I mean, it's not going at this really right. <laughs> but, uh, but they were really responsive and listened, and I was really amazed. And I was mostly amazed that the administration of Uvalde High School wants to get God back in the school. So... Uh, that was a big praise God, so praise God for them. So, uh, you know, we'll see how that continues to go. So y'all be praying for that, that they've asked now that they do it in the junior high. So uh, they're going to expand on the 5th of February and start going over to the junior high, do a Tuesday at the junior high and Wednesday at the high school. So, I mean, that's to me is really, really, really amazing. And and so if there was, like I said, there was 110 kids. It's almost 10, it's almost, yeah, it's almost 10% of the high school. I mean, when you look at it that way, there's 1,200 kids over there. So uh, that, uh, to me, that was huge from nothing. So they're doing a great work, and we really need to pray for them and, and continue to bless them. So uh, praise God. So go to, get your Bibles out and go to the, God, uh, the oh, man. <clears throat> Just taking an extra B12 or something, you know. Go to James, the book of James, chapter 4, verse 7. James 4 7. It says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And we talked about this verse last week. But how that word submit is not a negative word. It doesn't mean in the sense that you're looking at it that you're you've lost something because you didn't get to do it the way you wanted to, so you have to shut up and submit. That's not what that word means. It's, a, it's a, uh, derived from the Greek military term. It means to arrange a troop in a division under military fashion, under command. So it's like I, I told you, it's like the servicemen going out and everybody lines up. They're submitting to God. Is when you get in your place and in your position. Amen? And so when you get in your place and your submission to God, and you bring yourself into that place, well, then now you've done the first part, submit to God, and then it says resist the devil. So the resisting there is, you know, simply means to set oneself against it. So you, you see that's the, the enemy. You see this is what's destroying, you know, uh, the situation. This is what's bringing harm in here. This is what's, this is what's going on. This is what I'm doing that's causing issues. You, you, then you set yourself against it, and the devil will flee. Okay, now that's really simple, right? But how many of you know we struggle with that, right? We fight, we war, we, we, we war against the devil. We, uh, 
do all kinds of things, but a lot of times it's just basically on the inside of your heart coming to this resolve and saying, you know, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm not going to give place this anymore. I'm not going to let fear into my life. I'm going to walk in faith. I'm going to step out. I'm believing you. I'm submitted to you, God. I am not going to walk in this. So I want to go to the next part of that verse tonight. So he says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Now, there's really in there, in that deal, as much as you want to tear that all apart, there is, it, it doesn't say anything else. I mean, there's no, there's no hidden meaning like submit does. It just means if you, draw, if you put yourself in a position, if you draw close to God, so how are you going to draw close to God? Okay? Okay, here, I'm reading your Bible, you're drawing close to God. Praying, sharing your heart, taking time out. To, to sit in his presence. You know, whatever you're doing, as you draw close to him, he says he'll always draw close to you, but you got to take the first step. Look at the person beside you and say, you always have to take the first step. It's not God's going to come fall on me. Right? It's you got to draw close to God. And then he draws close to you. You've got to move towards him in some fashion, some something. You've got to... Find that place. You've got to push. You've got to draw close to him. And then he's going to draw close to you. There's no, he didn't stutter when he said it. Okay? He didn't stutter. He didn't put an if, an and, anything in there. It's draw close to God. He'll draw close to you. All right? Now, it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Now, isn't it funny <laughs> that he threw in there like he's going along there? Submit to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Draw close to God, and he'll draw close to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if you just, I just want to throw one in there or what, you know. But he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Okay, he dealt with two things there. Sinning being that we're missing the mark. That's really what it means, right? Sinning means to miss the mark. It means you... You drew the arrow, you shot at the, the bullseye, and you missed. You pulled the trigger, and you missed the target. That's what sinning is. you got to understand the sin, our sin, the original sin has been dealt with through the blood of Jesus, but it's the things that we're doing that's keeping us from walking with God. It's the things that we're doing that's keeping us from drawing near to Him. It's not that God's pulled off. It's not that God's gone away. It's not that anything that God's doing, it's not anything on his side. It's all on us. And listen to me. None of us are immune, right? You can just be going along and you can just be having a great day and everything's going good. And then all of a sudden, boom, a thought comes in your head. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you get off sidetracked and then you're over here and you're mad about that situation. You're over here talking about this and your thought, stop and say, what am I doing? What am I doing here? Why, why, why am I over here? I was going right down this track, and then I got over here, right? It happens to all of us, all right? But that means missing the mark. You start missing the mark. You're not walking where you were, all right? So he says, you got to cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded, all right? So go to Matthew 23, and let's just talk about cleansing our hands. Matthew 25, 20, I mean, 23, 25, excuse me. Matthew 23, 25. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of extortion and self-indulgences. Okay, 
He called them a hypocrites. And hypocrites are, the, when you look at that word and you, and you see what it means, it means actors. That's literally what it means. They're acting the part. I laugh sometimes if I watch a suspenseful movie, something that's, especially it's anything that's high altitudes, and, and, and Laura, she doesn't like it. And I say, it's a movie. It's not real. That guy's not on a plane about to fall off. There's no, it's not happening. It's fake. It's not real. They're actors. But you get caught up in the emotion of it, right? Well, what he said to the Pharisees, he said, look, I want to tell you something. You're acting like you're religious, but you're really not. You're just going through the motions. You're putting on all the nice clothes. You're getting your, your, all your, your embroideries and your, 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 your robes in the right places and all your little tassels and everything's looking good. You look good, but the thing is you cleanse the outside of the dish, but you forgot about the inside of the dish, Right? So that's like you go wash your dishes and you take the cups out and you wash the outside and put them back in the cabinet. Well, the outside wasn't near as dirty as the inside, right? And so Jesus says, but inside you're full of extortions and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish that the outside of them may be cleansed also. He said, basically, if you start working on the inside of you, then the outside's going to line up. But if you're not working on the inside, you're just putting some stuff on the outside. It's not any good. All right? So he's saying you've got to cleanse the inside. And then the outside's going to line up. He said, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are inside full of dead men's bones. You ever think about that? Let me think about that. If you've ever been like Louisiana and places where they have a lot of, you know, graves that are... Uh, Huh? Above ground, thank you. Uh, I, was thought, I was thinking, dude, what do you call those? Do you call that as something? Crips? Moss? Mausoleums? Mausoleum? A mausoleum, is that right? And they can be real pretty and they can be real ornate and they can look good, but I mean, inside's full of dead men's bones. And the outside looks so pretty. And that's what he's saying. He says, man, don't be a Christian where your outside looks pretty, but your inside's full of dead men's bones. He says, you got to start on the inside. It would literally be better for you to be dirty looking on the outside and working cleansing on the inside. That's the point he's making here. Okay? Okay. So even so your outward appearance, even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisies and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of righteous and say, we have lived in the days, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers of them of the blood of the prophets. Yeah. Okay. Now go to Psalms 51. 1. 51. 1. The great Psalm that David here of him crying out to the Lord. He says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to my, your loving kindness. Now think about who David was. Right. Once David had come into his kingdom, he was surrounded by mighty men of God. He was surrounded by a personal army that could just about annihilate anything. All right. He's got into the kingdom. He set up everything. He set up in the palace. But this man, because of his heart, was such a heart that was after God. He's crying out and saying, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. 
for I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is always before me. There's a real important point right there. David said that he acknowledged to God he had issues. And a lot of times we don't want to acknowledge that we got issues. A lot of times we just want to say everything's okay, I've got everything covered, everything's all right. Right? And one of the most important parts of cleansing your hands is simply to come to the place in life where you acknowledge, say, God, I am, I'm a sinner. I'm messing up. I know I'm messing up. I am not doing everything right. Now, this goes both ways. You see, you got to understand something. It doesn't do you any good to beat yourself up all the time and never receive remission for your sin. It doesn't do you any good to walk around all the time saying, I'm just a lowly worm, I'm a sinner. That's not, that's not, that could actually be a religious spirit in you trying to portray to everybody that you're a sinner. And I say, if you're a sinner, then get over it. Repent and get healed. Right? That's the victorious thing is you, you may be down and lowly because you realize the weight of your sin, but then let the power of the Holy Spirit come and heal you. And that's the testimony saying, man, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I can see. Glory to God. That's the place you want to get to. But you're not going to get to that place unless you truthfully, from your heart, acknowledge your transgression. That's the key point of repentance. For my sin is always before me. So in other words, David lived a life. Again, you can't go around all the time saying, oh, I'm so stupid. I'm just the worst thing in the world. I just keep messing up. No, you've got to get out of that. You've got to get healed and get out of that. But you still have to be doing heart exams all the time. You still have to be taking your heart out, looking at it and saying, ooh, there's a spot here. Something needs to be cleansed here. I need to go to freedom prayer. I need to get some of my brothers here, and I need to get this thing out of my life because there's something not quite right with me. I'm not in peace anymore. I'm not in joy anymore. Something's out of, out of whack. Something's out. Look, my heart's not right. Put it back in. Against you and only you have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and the sin of my mother's conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be cleansed. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. See, he now he's turning it around. He's knowing where his source is. He's knowing where the answer to getting to where he needs to be is. Make me hear joy and gladness that, my, uh, that, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take the Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit. So David's turning it around and saying, man, Lord, you're the one that's got the answers. You're the one that has the answers to this situation. And I'm coming to you and I'm falling down before you and I'm saying, Lord, come on. Heal me. You're going to do it. Man, cleanse me. You've got the hyssop. You've got the blood. You've got what it is to cleanse me because I want to be righteous. Now, I'm telling you, and there's no way you'll ever convince me differently. There's no theology that could ever convince me different that a man who has a heart like that, and I say that as a general term, a man who has a heart like that, God will touch. There's no doubt the power of the gospel works. God will come into your life. He will touch your life. He will heal you. He will set you free. He will cleanse you from that. The man who really wants that. But it's like I told you when I first got saved, 
Inside of me, there was this fear. The fear of if I turned loose, what was God going to do with me? And like I said, I got it convinced in my head that if I truly prayed that prayer and truly said, God, I'm yours, cleanse me, do with me what you want, that he would send me to Ethiopia. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it beyond a shadow of a doubt. I felt it in my heart. He was going to send me to Ethiopia, and I was going to be in this place, and I kept seeing, they kept showing these pictures of those little kids, and they had the, 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 the horse's tail or whatever it was flashed in front of their face to keep the flies off of them and everything. I thought, oh, that'd be the worst place. Oh, my God. And if I give and I yield, that's what's going to happen to me. Oh, then later it became the, the next step, you know, was going in there and having to wear a suit coat, you know? And then it had to be changing and losing who I was and who I wanted to be and the cowboy and the rancher I wanted to be and going into doing this and I had to give that up and I had to walk away from it. And yeah, it cost on one end, but there was great gain on the other. But those fears and those inhibitions on the inside of you that keep you from turning loose is what stops the power of the gospel from coming in there and cleansing your hands and setting you free. And the longer you struggle with it, the dirtier your hands get, and then you start just liking them dirty. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. The presence of God coming into your lives and touching you and healing you. Okay, let me give you one more scripture. 1 John 1.5. 1 John 1.5. This is a message which we have heard from him. And declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Do you notice it says practice the truth? It's not just hear the truth, it's practice the truth. Okay. So, like I've told you so many times, God always gives me this message because he's dealing with me somehow. And sometimes I don't even understand. I cannot, I cannot tell you how it happens to me, but something's said, something's done or whatever, and I get off chasing a, I think is a rabbit, and, and, and then I find out that it really fits. And so, you may, I don't know how I got on this. I can't tell you. I don't remember. But anyway, don't anybody say it out loud or whatever, but I just want to see before you say, does anyone in here, do you know the historical, it's a historical person, uh, and don't say who it is. If you know this person, I just want you just to just lift your hand because I don't see my, a, a lady named Mary Malone. Anybody ever heard of Mary Malone? Around 1900? Okay, well, good. Mary Malone was born on September 23rd of 1869. She died November the 11th of 1938. Okay? She was an Irish woman who had immigrated to the United States, and, and her profession that she took in was being a cook. She was a cook for, uh, you know, households. Okay? And so she went to work around 1900, would you look it up back there? Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. She went to work around 1900 as a cook in the New York area. And she cooked for seven different families. Okay, not all at the same time. 
Okay? So within two weeks of her employment at this one household, the people in the household became sick. Nobody knew what it was. And so the people became sick and they grew worse. And one of the family members died. And so she left. She went to work for another household. And within two weeks of her going to work for that household, the family became sick. And this kept going on. She, those people got sick. She went to the next household. Till finally one day they decided, they found out that what the people had was typhoid. How many of y'all now have ever heard of typhoid? Mary. Mary Malone was her name. She worked for seven different families and infected 51 people with typhoid. Okay? Now, you may at this point be saying, oh, poor Mary. But let me tell you about poor Mary. Okay, you can go look this up. You can find it. It's there. They came to her, and they finally figured out, they could not figure out how these people were getting typhoid because it was not something that they were familiar with and how they were getting typhoid. Something I didn't know, I had to call Dr. Brown this morning to make sure and check this all out. But the typhoid bacteria is a salmonella of the, the gene of salmonella typhi, okay? That's what it is, okay? And so they could not understand how they were, what was happening, what was going on. They hadn't dealt with this. And so they started trying to get it because people were dying. It was becoming so infectious. And so this one man, he started going around and he started doing all this research. And he went from house on. He, started, he was trying to figure out what was the common denominator. But the seven families didn't know each other and they had no interaction. And so they could not figure out how they were getting infected until he thought about the cook. And then he started researching, but what she would do is when the family became sick and whatever, she would quickly go to another home and there was no forwarding addresses and no, you know, they weren't, couldn't check her down on Facebook or Twitter. And so he finally chased her down and they found her. And they began to look at the woman. The woman wasn't sick. She was asymptomatic. She was carrying the typhoid bacteria within her and infecting people, but she herself was not sick. So she became obstinate. I don't have to read through that. I'm just going to tell you all, okay? You can just go read it later. She, this woman became obstinate and said, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not sick. I could not possibly be the person doing this. So they wanted to get a urine and a stool sample from her to test it. She said, if she refuses, I won't. I'll not do it. And the reason why she wouldn't was... Because a person of her, um, what's the word, her experience or whatever, she, she could only work in the cooking field was the highest paying job she could find at that day. Anything else was lower than that. And she didn't want to give up the money. She didn't want to have to give up the, the, the place and the position she had worked into as a cook. Obviously not a very good one, but anyway. So she, she, would, she refused to do it. So they took her, okay, easy now. They took her and they arrested her. They didn't know what to do with her. They knew she was the one to do it, so they arrested her. They put her in jail and kept her in jail for three years. Three years they kept her in jail. Till finally she gave up 
the urine and stool sample. And when they did that, they said she was the carrier. Well, so they had determined that they wanted to remove her gallbladder. And, and Dr. Brown said this would possibly be, you know, be, be a, 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 not, I don't know if it'd be a cure, but it would possibly be something that sounded logical. They wanted to remove her gallbladder because they were thinking that the bacteria was being held within the gallbladder that she was infecting her, and she refused to do it. So they held her in jail for three years till finally they said, we'll let you go. You know, we don't want to hold you here, but you're not cooperating with us. You're not trying to get better. You're not trying to let us do anything to help you, and you cannot go to back to work in the cooking field. You can only go to work in the laundry business. A laundry business didn't pay as much. So she did. She went to work in the laundry business, stayed in that for a while, got the heat off of her, and went back to work as a cook. Now, <clears throat> this is a little... Glad there's no small children here. This woman refused to yield to any knowledge of any hygienic practices. The washing of hands after going to the restroom. Because that's how the typhoid is transmitted, is only through fecal material. So you know the little sign in the bathrooms that says, all employees must wash hands before. <laughs> they didn't have one. And she would not hear to it. This woman was obstinate. She was obstinate that she that that washing her hands would have anything to do with this. And she would not listen to any reason. And she kept always going back to her defense. I'm not sick. Okay? There's nothing wrong with me. How could this be? This could not possibly be. There's nothing wrong with me. She would never, if you let me say it this way, just, I'm, I'm painting here with my brush. She would never submit to the power of God and say, God, is there anything wrong with me? Am I asymptomatic and just infecting others? Is my speech that comes out of my mouth being asymptomatic and affecting others and infecting them, but I'm not sick from it. I don't, I'm, I'm okay, but yet those people are becoming sick and literally dying? So, I mean, <laughs> so why do we cleanse our hands? So that our uh, doesn't make people sick. So why was James saying, you sinners, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Don't give everybody typhoid. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Quit being wishy-washy back and forth. Fall on your face before the Almighty God. Let him come in the light of the gospel, heal you and cleanse you so that you can be free, so you do not infect others. You do not become a typhoid Mary. Do you know that this woman never yielded? would never allow them to take out her gallbladder, even when she went back into it and the family that she worked for after she went back into it got sick again. She went to work for another family, scooted out of that one, went to work for another family, made them sick until finally they said, we can't do nothing with you, and they locked her up for three decades. She died in prison. 
because she would not quit killing people. That's what she was doing. I mean, it was like, it was literally murder by not washing her hands. And she would never yield. At first you think, oh, poor Mary, poor little typhoid Mary got sick. and she. No, this woman was obstinate. She, she was a threat to humanity because she would not change her ways. Wow. And the whole time I'm reading that, I'm reading it, it's all about her, and I'm just inside of my head's just screaming, James 4-7, James 4-7, James 4-7, cleanse your hands. Cleanse your hands so you don't infect everyone else around you. Purify your hearts, you double-minded, so you don't infect everybody around you. Draw near to God. Let him cleanse you. Keep your life like that in my light. Now, the other thing is, and if you've ever seen any water filtration systems, one of the things that they use to kill bacteria is ultraviolet light. Go into the light. Jesus is in the light. Don't go in the darkness. Go into the light, and you'll be cleansed. So it's getting in his presence, getting in the light, letting him come upon you. That literally cleanses the bacteria out of your life that you don't even know maybe you're carrying. And just because you say, well, I'm not, you know, I'm okay, that doesn't mean that you're still not a carrier infecting somebody of something else. So I don't know about y'all, but I really don't want to be, you know, a typhoid Robert. I would rather infect people with the joy of the Lord. I'd rather infect people with the Spirit of God. I'd rather infect people that make them want to serve Jesus more. I'd rather do something for the Lord that caused people to say, my gosh, I want to live for Him. I want to live for Jesus. Versus my attitudes, my whatever, my ever, whatever, whatever that might come out of my life. You know, to the world out there, the world that doesn't know Jesus. I don't want to be a, a, a typhoid Robert. No matter what I have to lose, no matter what I have to give up, I don't want to be a typhoid Robert. I want to be infecting them with the goodness of Jesus Christ and the love of God. Amen? So, let me just finish the last little part of this. He says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Okay, so double-mindedness is just simply being wishy-washy back and forth. James already talked about that. Double-minded man's unstable all of his ways. He's not going to get anything. He, it's just like, you know, one moment you're in faith and the next moment you're in doubt. Now, I will say that faith may vary, but doubt is doubt. You may have stronger faith at times. But you got to watch it because if you're in doubt, this can never happen. Think of the two people. Zechariah, the angel, says, you're going to have a child, name him John. And he's like, this ain't going to happen. I'm old. Elizabeth's old. She's barren. We ain't going to have no kids. And he, the angel said, I'm going to have to strike you dumb so you won't mess this up. Mary, the angel comes to her and says, you're going to, the Holy Spirit's going to come. No, he says, you're going to have a child. You're going to conceive. And your child is going to be named Jesus, naming Jesus. And she says, not doubt, but she says, how can this be? She wasn't doubting. She was just saying, how are you going to make it happen? That's not doubt. To go to the Lord and say, Lord, in my mind, I don't see how this can happen, but I know you're going to make it happen. So, but how are you going to do it, Lord? That's not doubt. That's saying God's going to do it. You just don't know how he's going to do it. 
Even going to the Lord and praying and saying, Lord, I trust in you. I don't know how you're going to do this, but I'm trusting you to make it work out. You're still in faith, right? But it's always easier when you know what to do and you stand up and say, in the name of Jesus, peace be still, right? So don't get into doubt where you're saying God can't do it. He says, if you're like that, one day you're saying, God's going to do it. He's going to do it. Oh, he can't do it. He can't do it. Then you're being double-minded. You're going back with you washing. He said, just stay out of that. He's got, you've got to purify your heart because inside of your heart, you don't really believe. It's your heart. You're not really believing because the heart's the producer of faith. You're not really believing God can do it. Amen? So, how about y'all? I don't think y'all want to be typhoid Marys, do you? So my suggestion is, just what I said at the first, you've got to draw close to him, and you've got to figure out how to draw close to him. All of us are different. Not all of us are the same in here. You've got to figure it out. And I can tell you there's no formula, but your heart crying out to Jesus and saying, Lord, I want you. And that is an amazing thing. And the more radical you move, the more radical you're going to see God move. Amen? Look at the person beside you and say, make sure and wash your hands. Yeah. After reading this, I mean, like I read this whole thing, and then I was like, I had to go in there and get the, the gel out and wipe my hands just from reading the article about thinking about this woman. It's like, my Lord. And it's sad. I mean, how could she be so hard-headed, so awesome? But mm, anyone. Because in the end of it, I think it was 51 people she infected and three died. And then who would have wanted to go clean herself? I'm sure they just threw a mop in there and told her to do it. Right? Who would have wanted to do anything? She definitely wasn't the cook in prison. Okay. Well, praise God. Bill, help me tonight. Let's take up our offering. <laughs> crazy, crazy. Uh-oh. Put your hand on your offering. Let's pray. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name that we are blessed people. I declare it, Lord God, we're not wavering in our faith. You are a God who blesses abundantly, abundantly beyond all we can even think or ask. And so I thank you, Lord God, that even if we don't understand how you're going to do it, I just declare you're doing it. You're doing it more than we've ever can imagine, Lord, because you want to do exceedingly abundant beyond we can think or ask. So, Lord, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.